You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to uh, Sharing Socks. Our first actual baseball is going on somewhere in the professional world edition. I am back to being now duty geezer uh, of Southside Socks, Lee Allen, because the old one went away because we started up again. <laughs> and uh, with me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will, who has uh, behind him, for those not looking at video, our new double play combo up the middle, which makes it look like Josh Harrison is, I don't know, three foot six or something. <laughs> uh, he is five foot eight, but Tim's not that tall. Tim's not seven feet tall, but Tim must be standing on second base or something to have that. Well, Tim, Tim likes to look good in all of his publicity, so they probably got him on an Apple box. Uh, like you would with Tom Cruise if he were doing a film with Alan Ellen Ladd used to have his, his co-star women would walk in a ditch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's that's next level insecurity. Yeah. yeah. Well, while we're on, we're on Josh Harrison, just to point out, I mentioned this last year because when I wanted him to be the uh, magical replacement when magical got hurt, nothing happened. Uh, but we have, both of us probably, at some time, come across Josh Harrison in a hallway long ago because Josh, same age as well, same same grade of high school graduation, uh, went to Princeton High School in the Cincinnati suburbs and Will competed there probably twice a year in speech meets, which included Fridays, which meant you were around the regular students on Friday. And I judged those meets, so I was around too. So may very well have come across Josh in those days. 
And what a claim to fame that is. He <laughs> may or may not have been in a hallway with a last-minute second baseman replacement for the Chicago White Sox. There you go. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. That's pretty cool. Carbon he was probably Electra. enjoying himself because the word, word is he's a great guy. Carmen Electra also went to high school there. I think she's a little older than me. But uh, maybe Josh and Carmen Electra, not trying to start anything between Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Harrison. But I don't know. I don't know. Since we're throwing out crazy possibilities, thought I'd get that out there. Um, why don't we – have we ever really talked about Josh Harrison on here, have we? That Not really. I think probably briefly last year. Just, hey, here's yeah, a guy yeah. we could get. Uh, I mean, I'm actually okay with this signing. I know it's not the second base dream replacement everyone was hoping for, but we knew we were never going to get. Uh, the people out there who thought there was a prayer Trevor Story was coming to the White Sox to play second base, which he is going to the Red Sox to play second base, but that's different than coming to the White Sox to play second base. I'm okay with Harrison here. I think he fits well. With the team, I think he's uh, known for being a great guy, great competitor. Uh, you know, he's older, uh, as you said, but I think he's definitely, in terms of the kind of guy the White Sox would add in the offseason, Harrison is higher up on that list than I think, uh, like, you know, we could be talking about Adam Eaton right now. Uh, so it's it's nice that we're talking about Josh Harrison and not not someone like Adam Eaton. Obviously, different positions, but we were mourning at this point previously. So yeah, I'm I'm happy that we have Josh Harrison. He seems like a a good dude and and could actually prove to be you know if he gets a little bit of a resurgence with the energy from these young guys, could end up being actually a pretty solid ball player for us at second. Yeah, I mean, his defense is not uh, overwhelming on the you know his D-war scores. On the other hand, they are not negative, as many of our players are. Uh, so that that comes out well. Before we before we get into the other into spring training, what's happening in spring training? Which there have been, you know, mostly what's happening in spring training, as long as nobody gets hurt, isn't very important. But there are a couple of things that look important. Uh, but let's talk money because we're, we're recording this on Thursday. And it's the day Forbes came out with their annual evaluation of money of Major League Baseball teams. Uh, Yankees now valued by Forbes at over $6 billion. And we should point out in the sales that have gone on in recent years, Forbes has been low. Not a lot low, but low. Uh, second are the Dodgers down at $4 billion. Uh, just the Red Sox are next. Cubs come in fourth, three point eight billion. The White Sox come in. Here's your guess. Uh, I'm gonna say twenty second, fifteenth. That's where they were last year too, I think. At one point seven six billion, according to Forbes, they actually had an operating loss last year, but they are owned by a tax attorney. I I would not trust any figures on operating profit or loss that comes out. Really, I wouldn't. They, yeah, they, it will hide anything they can hide. Um, but that's up uh, 4% in value uh, from last year, but it's still middling. And look at that, less than half the value of the Cubs. I mean, like 40% the value of the Cubs. Yeah. Um, 
And honestly, I'm in the same town and and do not have essentially free rent for the next 200 or 300 years. Um, it, it, this is not a well-run baseball operation. No, definitely not. Uh, and I actually do think those numbers are low. I think you would have a tough time buying the Yankees for only $6 billion right now. And it's not much higher than that, but I think that if they did decide to sell the Yankees today, the price tag would be even higher than that. These teams are so inflated, which is, of course, why I spent all of my time being angry at the owners uh, <laughs> and not the players during this lockout, uh, because these guys bought these teams for way, 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 way less than that. And now they're they're arguing. Jerry over- took a twenty dollar bill out of out of his pocket, plunked it on the table, and Bill Beck needed lunch money, and that was that. That was it. That's the history right there. Uh, You know, I think it's ridiculous that the White Sox are valued that low, but also, you know, it's not necessarily a winning culture uh, in the last 15 years. It's been kind of bleak. Now, we are ideally in our window, our evaluation should go up after this year when we win the world series. Uh, But yeah, it's crazy to me that they are half the value of the Cubs, a team that I thought was going to be bad for the next 10 years, but they did a lot more in the off season than we did. So who knows? You mean more than nothing? More than nothing, more than negative. Uh, And I don't mean to knock Mr. Harrison who's standing behind you right there, but Josh is just a replacement for, for Nick Madrigal. Right, of course. He's not an upgrade. He's he's probably a slight downgrade. Uh, and then the others that came in, Graveman was a replacement for Tapera, and and uh, Kelly, it's really a replacement for Kopech, who was a replacement for Rodon, uh, and so on down the list. And in each one, it's a little step down from where it was. So it's not even quite flat. It's now, there's still some time left. Things could happen, but they sure don't look like they're going to happen. But what could even happen, really? That's the thing. I mean, uh, one of the craziest things to me is all the, these people on my talk's Twitter who, who keep talking about this Kimbrel trade that's going to happen. I mean, I mean what, what, what baseball, what league have you been watching for your entire lifetime where somebody is itching to spend $16 million on a guy who's not going to get anybody out? It makes no sense. I I don't see a world where we get anything for Crimble. No, I, I mean, uh, uh, Jansen just signed just Jansen just signed for sixteen million dollars just as a free agent with the Braves, but he's been much better than Kimbrel other than a few months uh, last year. Uh, exactly. Last exactly. I mean, I, I'm not spending sixteen million on Kenley Jansen right now either, but I, I understand those numbers a little bit more. The upside is certainly higher with Jansen right now than it is with Kimbrel. Is there any way we get rid of Craig Kimbrell outside of giving him to a team and saying, we'll eat 15.5 million of this? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, mean, just, it, 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 I guess, you know, spring training is kind of a demo for him, uh, for other teams to go, oh, he's got it back. Well, on Wednesday, two thirds of an inning, five runs, four of them earned. No control, no fastball. 
just, you know, first outing of spring, yes. But I'm sorry, he's on display, and that display said we are never getting rid of Craig Kimbrell, or at least that display said that display said Kimbrell found a nice uh, condo in the South Loop that he doesn't that he likes. And he wants to stay for this entire season because there is no way if he's pitching like that in spring training, he's headed anywhere but the south side of Chicago. My goodness. And, and I think let's, uh, let's talk about pitching since we're on it. And, uh, and after the break, we'll talk about some of the, the hitting. There has been some exciting things there. Uh, but, but Kimbrell is now, I think, a, a permanent resident of the Chicago White Sox for the rest of this season. Outside of releasing him, um, and eating the whole contract. Uh, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Uh, I don't even think anyone really takes him for a 50th round draft pick if we eat $14 million of his deal. I, I just don't know why anyone would want his arm on the team right now. I'm sorry, Craig. I know you're a, a huge fan of the podcast, and you, you listen to us. Uh, weekly, and we're we we've been nicer about you than most. Uh, but in this scenario, I'm just lost on this whole thing. I mean, well, we could and, be and sitting 16, here. If, well, they do the 16 million for Kimbrel, and we've now got relief. It's got to be the highest paid relief core in the history of baseball. We're over 50 million. It, it's insane. At the same time, they absolutely penny pinch. Lucas Giolito. Huh. I mean, this story about Giolito and, and arbitration, they're going to arbitration over $200,000. And Giolito said at one point to avoid arbitration, they were 50000 apart. You're 50000 apart on the man who is going to pitch game one of your playoffs? Because I, I really believe Lucas is going to be better than, than Lynn this year. I, I, I think those Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, what are they thinking? What is in the mind? I mean, and you know that Lucas is telling the truth about it because he's a total class act, whereas the management of, of the White Sox is as unclassy as you can be. I mean, it's just a bunch of absolute worthless human beings uh, from the ownership down to the field manager. Uh, <laughs> how could they well, no, play like on. that? You can't talk that way about the sod father. Uh, if you're talking about the oh no no I'm sorry I, I was I was talking the actual baseball operations. Oh, okay 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 no no, no. Uh, okay. I'm sure the promotional people are fine. Uh, the other thing that's crazy about this Giolito fifty thousand dollar thing is it's not like Giolito it's not like we're in a situation where Giolito says I want a one year thirty five million dollar deal and the White Sox balk at that. This dude is violently underpaid when you look at who's making what around. When you look at the reliever who is going to lose games for Lucas Giolito, Craig Kimbrell, as he comes yeah, in. And, and Giolito already is an example of, but a primary example of, uh, the kind of horribleness of the arbitration system. Because Giolito on the open market is $20 million a year at least, maybe twenty five. But you, For sure. when they go to arbitration, the arbitrator cannot compare him to a pitcher of similar nature. He can only compare him to a pitcher of similar nature in arbitration and only one arbitration year ahead. 
So it, it can be compared to people who have done third year arbitration, uh, but he can't be compared to, to the open market at all. So he already was down. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of millions of dollars to us normal human beings, but by baseball standards, he was already being screwed <laughs> by his yes. own entry in the thing. It, it's the, the White Sox front office is, un, well, I mean, they start with Jerry and it's just unfathomable. It it's just it's insane. I mean, this is a guy who you want to be your ace for, I would say, at least the next five years. And you're not going to meet him with $50,000? Well, guess what? It's going to be almost impossible to keep the guy now. And I get I mean, that, that Giolito is saying, you know, that doesn't affect the relationship and and I want to be here and all that stuff because Giolito, as you said, is a class act. He's a good guy. He's not going to go out and say, like, oh, they screwed me on $50,000, so I'm not – screw this. This year's a waste. Like, he's not going to do that because he seems like a totally stand-up dude. Uh, but his agent – is not going to feel that way. And when this contract's over, that agent's going to say, remember the 50K, you guys? Remember when we were at he's the, Boros the, now, right? the 50K thing? I don't even know if he is. And if he's with Boros, then, you know, he's as good as gone already. And why, he's would, got you, another year. why would you create that tension? Sure, sure, he's got another year. But they're, they're certainly not sitting around thinking now, well, we're gonna we're gonna take a cut to stay in Chicago. That's not gonna happen. And and you kind of need that from an ace when you're a, a mid level market team, even though we're in a huge market. You know, we're the small market of the Chicago teams, as you um, solidified today with those Forbes numbers. I mean, it's just insane to do this to your ace. To do this to a guy who's going to have the ball on opening day, you would hope for the next five to seven years, and, and you you skip out on fifty thousand dollars. This is just next level shitty ownership. This is bad business. I mean, if he is with Scott Boris, and I realize we could Google this and tell you in a second, but it, it doesn't even really matter if it's Scott Boris. If it's an agent, anyone other than his, you know, cousin who who works at an Arby's and has never done anything like this before. If it's anything higher than that, they're coming for the White Sox now, which means that Giolito is probably in his last two years as a Chicago White Sox. Also, come on, White Sox, you're going to lose that arbitration case looking at Giolito's numbers alone, even without comparing them, says that he deserves the extra $200,000 that they're, they're going to be looking at in arbitration. This is just absolute crap, crap management, as you said, from, from the top to the, to the bottom. It's a total train wreck. And, and do I think Giolito is going to bring that onto the field this year next? No, I no. don't. I think he is – going to go out there and try to win for these guys on the team. But the White Sox are in, are in, they're in deep doo-doo with some of these contracts. They, they made a, a brilliant move in signing a lot of these studs to long-term deals while they were still affordable. And now they're just blowing it with this kind of crap. And, you know, our window is now two years. 
I mean, our, our window is, is two years. We've got to, we've got to win this year. We've got to win next year because I do think now at this point, Giolito will be gone after two. And I, I don't know where we'll be. Lance Lynn will be 55 and, and 410 pounds by that point. So I'm not sure what, what that will look like for us. It's, oh my goodness. The, the arbitration thing. I mean, if, the $50,000 thing is the most infuriating thing for me in an already infuriating offseason for the White Sox and baseball in general. It's, it's absurd. So now let's talk about Dallas Keuchel, <laughs> who has been the best BP pitcher we've seen in spring training outside of Craig Kimbrell. Uh, Keuchel seems to be throwing it exactly where every hitter wants it, which is a really nice for these minor league baseball players who have been shelling him. Uh, is there any place for Keuchel to, to pitch at the pro level? Well, you know, I looked at the projections, uh, the pitcher projections for the White Sox and, and the average. And I think one of the fantasy sites averages all the projection places. Uh, Rotowire, somebody like that does it. And uh, for Keuchel, they've got him at a 4.68 ERA, which would be an incredible improvement. Uh, still the worst on the staff. I don't think he'll make that. 152 innings and a 9-10 and 10 record. That is really optimistic. <laughs> that is, that is, I would say it actually borders on absurdist comedy. Uh, 152 innings, uh, if we're lucky. You know, the guy, despite only throwing 45 miles an hour, seems to only throw five innings. He was he was a guy we thought would go further in games, but he doesn't. Well, you and I early early last season were talking about how 60 pitches and he was done. That was long before the exactly. And now a 4.68 ERA. May the baseball gods shine down upon us if Dallas Keuchel has a 4.68 ERA. I mean, right now I will tell you. If Dallas Keuchel has a 4.68 ERA this season, that's really great for us. That's really great for us because he's far and away our fifth starter. If we have Dallas Keuchel starting games, if we get 152 innings and a 4.68 ERA with our offense out of Dallas Keuchel, we're, we're winning the AL. I mean, that is, those are, that's an incredibly generous prediction. Well, we know, of course, that we're going to win the AL Central virtually. Not. I don't know that we're going to win the AL Central. Even even that kind of talk, I'm like, uh, you All tell the projections, me. I mean, and not because the White Sox have improved and will be great. I think they're going to be a little bit worse. Uh, but because the division is really still crap. The, the other teams, other than Cleveland, uh, improved a little. And a couple more steps. Minnesota could take yet another step. The Twins have done some big stuff. I mean, with the Correa, Yankees trade for them is interesting, getting Sanchez. Sanchez has been a horrible disappointment for three years now. But, you know, you get him out of the New York situation. This That's the one case where new environment could really make a difference. Where every I time... Think, I think there's a lot of cases. Say, every time he strikes out, he, that happens. God, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say I think the Twins are going to be better than the White Sox this year. But what I will say is we don't know. Because the Twins were supposed to be a lot better than the White Sox last year. And they were a shocking disappointment. So now we have in our head that the Twins suck. 
but the Twins might not suck. I, I don't know what was going on last year. My biggest fear is Detroit. Detroit is full of these young guys who are ready to explode on the scene. I Again, I can't sit here and say I think Detroit is better than the White Sox. However, I don't see a world where we are rolling through this division the way we did last year. I, I think we're definitely still the, the team that comes out of the division with the winning record. But I, I don't see a world where we are getting, you know, 19 freebies against Kansas City. We're getting 19 freebies against the Twins, 19 freebies against uh, the Tigers. The Guardians, I think, are, are probably going to suck pretty bad. But uh, I really good. They've always got pitching. So you can't. True. True. You, you can't just roll over the Guardians. I mean, you still have to face Shane Bieber. So I, I don't know. I'm not sold on this. I. I would have been sold on the White Sox being a, a dominant team if we had upgraded in any positions at all, if we had one upgrade. But unfortunately, we have no upgrades whatsoever. And that's not hating on the guys we got. I don't think they're bad guys for the most part. Like I think Graveman might be all right. I think Harrison could be a, a, good, a pleasant surprise. Uh, Kelly I think should Joe, be good. Kelly should be good. You know, if anything, he brings energy. He brings fire. He he fits with this White Sox team. I like that we have a guy who's going to be throwing at Correa. I like that we have a guy who's going to get in brawls and get ejected. I, You know, that's fine with me. Kelly's good, but he's not so good that you care if he gets tossed, which I think is exactly where you want a guy like that. You want a guy to come in where you're happy if he stays in the game, but you're also fine if he gets ejected for starting a bench playing brawl. Uh, let's take our break, though, and let's come back and talk about uh, some of the hitting that's been going on. Not that hitting in the first few games of spring training means anything, but if guys come out at the beginning of spring training, especially young guys, and they hit for squat, it is usually a bad sign. Uh, and I'd say right now we've got more good signs than bad signs. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. All right, welcome back to Sharing Socks. We talked about our very positive and sunny and glamorous outlook for pitching uh, as we head into the 2022 season. And first off, I also just want to clarify that I think as the Sox podcasts go, we are not the most negative ones. Uh, we are actually often a, a tad too optimistic. So uh, I, I think our pitching assessment was fair, even though it was animated and not so positive. But I do think it was very fair. And now we'll move on to to hitting. So uh, let's talk about some of these, these pleasant surprises we've seen uh, 
from from spring training so far. Who's who's your biggest surprise? Well, the biggest surprise I think is Adolfo. Um, Vaughn is also hitting extremely well. Cespedes yeah. is hitting balls very very far and playing a nice center field in the games that have been on TV. Um, so there's some hope down there that this isn't really the very worst uh, farm system in the history of baseball. Uh, I don't know what you do with Adolfo. He's supposed to be a, a, an average uh, outfielder, uh, certainly better than the corner outfielders we field, any of the corner outfielders we had out there last year. I can't, and, and you don't know when you see that he's hitting what's 560 or something like that. Um, whether he's facing any major league pitchers when he does that, I mean, uh, which can make a huge difference. It, it does make a huge difference. Uh, but, you know, that said, the, the kids come out firing. Uh, let's see, Miker is 556, as you said. I mean, we're through nine at bat, so our sample size is tiny. Yeah, none of, none of these things uh, really, really show much. But it's five like Jose nine, being hit, hitting zero, you know. So exactly. What? Right, yeah. Who cares? That, that means nothing or even, you know, Tim Anderson's hitting 333 in spring training. That's what he hits in the in the bigs. So, you know, there, there's not too much to discuss with our, our regular guys. Uh, however, you know, with uh, Adolfo, we've seen a lot of really solid early power hitting the ball hard. Vaughn hitting the ball very well so far, 5 of 11. That means a little more for me just because he was a Major League Baseball player last year. Uh, you've got Leori starting pretty well out of the gate. Uh, you know, I think he usually a, does. I think Leori is a, is a spring training phenom, as I recall from years past. Well, and and that makes sense. <laughs> uh, Leori is a really amazing minor league baseball player who we just happen to keep at the major league baseball level every year. And I love Leori. I'm not hating on him. I'm happy with him being our 26th guy or whatever. Um, we've got your mean, uh, back in our, our lineup. He is three for nine at this point. I don't see a world in any way where your mean makes the big league club. Uh, and we're also seeing some, uh, some interesting early stuff from Berger Jimenez. Of course, uh, we're still, you know, hoping Eloy bounces back to full speed and Romy Gonzalez is starting. Uh, pretty well. He's got four RBIs and just 10 at-bats. Uh, he's also uh, striking out quite a bit, as is Adolfo. Adolfo's got four strikeouts. When Adolfo, talk about two true outcomes, um, yeah. three true outcomes. He's got five hits, he's got one walk, and he's got four strikeouts in nine official at-bats. <laughs> I mean, that is troubling. And that again, means his batting average on balls in play is a thousand. They say well, that, that that's unsustainable. <laughs> I, you know, but I I think this is the the guy who's going to sustain it. Uh, you know, I have no clue if if there's any point where Mike Adolfo is playing right field for the White Sox this year. But do you think that that could happen? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and at whose expense? Who who goes away if Mike Adolfo comes up to play right? Well, I mean, your right field right now, of course, and I'm in. Both of us are big Adam Engel fans. He's hurt again. Yeah, or still hurt, I guess is is the situation, uh, in his left shoulder. Uh, 
I would love to see him out there all the time, but I, I don't know that it can be. They're going to want to have the bats of Sheets and uh, Vaughn. Uh, whichever one is a DH, they're going to want somebody out there in right field. Uh, and, you know, poor Robert is out there going foul line to foul line, covering everything that he can cover because we have no left or right fielders. Uh, so what, so yeah. what do you think then? You think, uh, you think Aloy is going to be the left fielder this year? Um, yeah. I mean, unless they can yeah. convince him to DH and I, it, doesn't seem like something he's going to go oh good right yeah it's just I mean also kind of terrifying the idea that Aloy is going to be playing uh, 150 games in left field of Major League Baseball um so where so where does that put Andrew Vaughn you so you're picturing Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets as our DHs DH backup first baseman of course, we need to have, we need to give, <laughs> we haven't even got into this backup catcher thing. I, I, I think Colin, there was a wild pitch from Colin. As soon as Collins came into the game yesterday, I don't know if that was a pitcher's fault or his. I watched Savala chase one back to the screen in another game. I, <laughs> we, well, here. Why is there a cardboard even, cutout up there? Before you even question the backup catcher scenario, because this is actually already solved, we've got Nick. Siofo? <laughs> I, I don't even know how to say it. Chiapo, yeah. I don't know. Chiapo. Uh, we've got him batting 1,000 in spring training. Listen to this on base percentage 1,000. Listen to this slugging percentage 2,000. And his OPS? 3,000. 3,000. <laughs> so, I mean, the backup catcher conversations is good as done at this point. I mean, we, Boy, that'd be nice, guy. wouldn't it? We've I, got a guy I, with numbers. I checked when they, when they got when they signed him. I I, I checked to see his uh, D wars. His D wars are not the goodest you've ever seen. Uh, but but are uh, they D wars? But but he has. It's, it's almost no sample size. I think he's been in the the major league. Not even for a cup of coffee, or more like a a sip of coffee. Wow. So all right. So you're not sold necessarily on uh, Gio. Not somebody that the Orioles dropped. The, the Orioles DFA, possibly not. But in his defense, though, the Orioles have like a thousand guys worth dropping. So if you get dropped by the Orioles, it kind of just feels like they threw a dart at a board. It's like casting in LA. They threw a dart at the board and then it landed on you. You got dropped by the Orioles and picked up by the White Sox. The natural, the natural progression of, uh, of of players that we should be saying. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, we, this is something we talk about a lot. It has only gotten messier is how we have a bunch of guys qualified to DH and not much else. It, it makes, you know, it, it, you and I had not on the show, but just conversing, uh, gotten into these possibilities with the Oakland pitchers. Um, the White Sox have not been prominent in any of the, online discussion that you see, but we've got the guys for it because Oakland is looking for cheap and they're looking for, they got rid of their third baseman. They got rid of their first baseman. Um, at least from an eye out, which would be a very nice uh, one year addition to the pitching staff. 
Keifel can sit on the bench and I can pitch. Um, one of our first basemen slash DHs and Berger. It's pretty good setup for that trade. Yeah. It, it, it's really good for Oakland. Years and years of control uh, very cheaply. Uh, I don't know if the White Sox are willing to give up either. I'm, I'm sure Oakland would want Vaughn. Uh, probably not going to give him up for one year of a pitcher. Uh, Sheets, on the other hand, Sheets and Berger. I could, I would honestly, I, I think right now is the time to trade Vaughn. I, I think you could get a huge return on Andrew Vaughn, and it's not, it's not that I don't like Vaughn or don't think Vaughn has got loads of potential. It's the loads of potential that I think make him so valuable. We have this spoil of riches in in DHs slash sort of first baseman. And this is amazing. We have horrible defense. Slash, uh, sorry about that. I had a a phone call coming in. Uh, We have have this spoil of riches right now. And I think getting rid of Vaughn could get us something huge. And I know people don't like that. People want to keep Andrew Vaughn. I get why they want to keep Andrew Vaughn. But we've got all of these guys who are kind of Andrew Vaughn's. And why aren't we getting rid of some of these guys? It it, it makes no sense that we're, you know, every trade package that's proposed on White Sox Twitter, Twitter, people are like, oh, you can't do burger and sheets. Or you can't do Vaughn and burger. You can't do... Like why not? Why not? We got five of these guys. Why? Why are we? Why can't we get rid of two of them? I agree that I'm excited that our our farm system is not looking as bad as we thought it was going to look. But you know, I'm not saying get rid of Suspedes. I'm saying get rid of Vaughn and get two great players or a, a great pitcher and a great position player in return. I I, I think. With 15 new DH slots opened up, Andrew Vaughn is extremely valuable right now and much more valuable than Sheets or Berger. Uh, I am in a world where if you could get someone, if you could get an ace, I would part ways with Aloy. And I know that that is super unpopular and it would need to be somebody really amazing who's locked up on a, a good deal. But we have so many guys who aren't quite everything you need. Why not get rid of two of the five of them and get some of the things we need? I, I'm, I'm so confused about why we're hoarding a bunch of guys who aren't really going to get to play this year now at the major league level. And, and what do you do with Miker? Because Miker is out of options, right? Miker's got it to play major league baseball this year. Oh, is is he is he at the point where he's a, a rule five draftee or that kind of thing? Yeah, I believe so. I believe when I was watching the broadcast, they they mentioned that Micah's out of options. Uh, so what is he all? Is he on the the club? Is he on the major league club now? Um, I I wouldn't sure. be surprised if he's on the major league club for April because you know they get the two extra players, make one of them right. a pitcher, 
uh, although they may want two pitches. I, I, I really hope, and, and we're running out of time, I know, but one of the things with this loading up on the money going into the bullpen, even though 16 million of it's a waste, I hope that it's because they got to our Hall of Famer baseball person and said, you cannot burn out your starting pitchers in April and May, so they've got nothing left when it comes to playoffs. You're going to make the playoffs probably. Don't burn these guys out ahead of time because he sure as hell did it last year, and he cost the White Sox the playoffs in April and May. This is what I mean when I say we are one of the nicer and more optimistic podcasts. Here we are saying, you know, you're saying, I hope it's because they got to the Hall of Fame baseball man and said, don't burn out the pitchers. No chance that that happens. <laughs> no chance. These guys are fools. They are fools. So while I, I agree, I hope that that's what happened. I think, um, I don't know. I think we could see Giolito throw 187 pitches on opening day because I, I can't imagine Tony has learned a damn thing from last year. Uh, if anything, someone will call him out on it and then he'll double down and, and say, no, no, well, when I was, you know, coming up in the 1910s and this is how when, people yeah, pitch. Yeah, and pitchers threw 324 innings. Yeah. I realize he's, he's older than you, right? He's younger than you. No, he's old. He's two years older than him. Yeah, so he's ancient. And, ancient, uh, ancient. <laughs> yeah, so you guys are totally different generations. He's he's uh, he's baby boomer, and you're I don't know. I got nothing. No, he's he's actually pre baby boomer. I'm the oh, that's oldest, true. I'm the absolute oldest age of baby boomer. That's so true. He's, he's whatever the hell came before baby boomer. Which, I, I don't know. For what all of was. you, uh, greatest, all greatest of... generation or something, but. No, because he was yes, only three years right. old when the war ended. So <laughs> that can't that's be right. Yeah. So he's just kind of lost in this blur of something, uh, which fits perfectly with his personality. Um, and for all you Gen Zers who listen, I know that we have a huge crossover between people who watch Euphoria on HBO and people who listen to Sharon Socks podcast. Uh, just so you know, the geezer is is. He's like an OG boomer and like the original boomers, and they're cooler than the like next gen of boomers, the ones who yeah, came in. Yeah, and, exactly. And Bill Clinton. Really, yeah, you and Bill Clinton, who's had, there's no controversy with him. You know, they, these are just these are the good boomers. So go easy, go easy on them, Gen Z. Uh, if I mean, I would maybe guess that our entire listening core is boomers. Uh, but we are we're we're pro OG boomers on this on this podcast. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So we should probably call it quits for today. Uh, do you have anything else before we go? No, and I, I wish, we should point in that White Sox are, are are doing fine. I mean, they're six and two in spring training. They're doing well. A lot of the players are going fine. Nobody's hurt. Um, the the uh, Kimbrel thing is very worrying, but I think that's the only thing that's really worrying. Uh, and you knew it was going to happen anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, the ultimate thing is we got baseball back. The, a lot of the White Sox players are looking good. The energy's up. It seems like they're uh, feeling positive about oh, and, the players. And Tim's, the first, the first uh, edition of Tim's uh, YouTube video is out. I watched it. <laughs> it is produced uh, like most people's first editions of the YouTube video. <laughs> and that's about it. It's actually, it's got some interesting points because it's about his high school years. 
Oh, well, yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. Tim, and mainly I mean, basketball, because he didn't Tim, play baseball until right. he was a senior or something. Yeah, well, I know Tim is a, a huge listener of our podcast. Uh, so, Tim, uh, just want to do a plug. Check out Tim's YouTube show. Uh, apparently, it's it's not t- terrible, not great, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's only eight minutes long. And and you you have Moncada come out with you know a music video with you know previously with incredible production values. How do you how do you live up to that? So you know Tim, you're going to get there. You're going to get to the disaster personnel level at some point. Um, but yes, happy to have baseball back. Love seeing the socks out there. It's going to be fun. Going to be a fun year here on sharing socks. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time on sharing socks.